Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about letting go. Hmm. This is actually one of my very favorite things. I think it's both of our favorite things. It feels so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the jumping off point for this episode, uh, we were just talking before the show, the show before the show, where last week I decided that eh, I don't think this office is really serving me anymore. And it's a non-trivial expense, uh, which is always nice to cut out of your budget. But that wasn't really the main thing. I I found when I was uh, sort of forced to be home for uh, a month, I was like, you know what? I don't really miss the office. And the home environment has changed in the last four years to the point where it's actually really nice again. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of like, I kind of don't want to go back to the office. So I gave him notice. And then this weekend I went down and, and cleaned up my stuff. And we're talking about like four or 500 square feet, not, not huge, but big enough to have a refrigerator and a three bookcases and a giant table and a water cooler, you know, stuff. There's stuff. I had workshop stuff. There's a podium. There's like chalkboard and all this stuff, 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 tons of books and chairs. How many chairs did I have? Eight chairs. Eight, Eight chairs. chairs? Yeah, for one butt. So, <laughs> I mean, I can count on one hand the number of times a person other than me has been in my office. It's it's like whenever I do workshops, it was in the conference room, this sort of a shared big conference room area. So there's just like, why do I have eight chairs? Because it was decorated, that's why. So I go through this whole process. The point is I go through this process and, I, and I've and i got all this stuff and I just have like a Subaru Outback station wagon. So I'm going to have to make a bunch of trips and I'm like, what am I going to, where am I going to put this in the house? I had to, was going to have to exert a fair amount of mental and physical labor to lug all of this stuff back to my house and then find a place to put it. And I was like, I don't care about any of this. <laughs> Out of, I'm going to guess a hundred books, I kept maybe 10 and out of the stuff I kept the table, which we put in our, we replaced our dining room table with the table I had in the office. It's a wicked nice table. I could have thrown out almost everything. I threw out all my karate trophies. I saved my belts. Uh, I have like this rack with my old belts on it, but I don't have to inventory my office. The point is it was one of those, it was one of those classic situations moving. It's one of those classic situations that causes you to really consciously think about, do I need to keep this stuff? And you pick through, and if I kept 10% of the stuff that was in that office, I'd be surprised. Most of the stuff I didn't need, didn't care about, probably 50% of it I didn't even know I had. You know, it's in a box in there, on the shelf. I'm like, oh, I forgot, I forgot even that. If I needed this, I would have bought one. I didn't even know I had it. And I've always been, I've always been a sort of closet minimalist at heart. So the feeling of donating and getting rid of all these things is just, it's, it's sort of, it's very almost physical it's like this lightness where you feel ah ah it's like this you know Marie Kondo kind of <laughs> uh, yeah joy yeah and so the the whole thing with the stay-at-home orders and lockdown and all that is that it it triggers this kind of reevaluation which we've talked about on on recent episodes reevaluating stuff but the physical thing is real plus there's this emotional metaphor that goes along with it that, uh, I don't know, it just seemed like a good thing to talk about. I know it's a, a favorite topic of yours. There's a transformation that happens because you could have 
made a choice that says, oh, I'm just going to put all this stuff in the garage and I'll gradually figure out what we need because boy, you know, I spent a hundred dollars a chair and <laughs> you know, you know, you wouldn't know what I'm talking yeah, totally. about, like that, that voice in your the head. Halfway. Yeah. 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 But you said, no, I'm just going to take what I absolutely need. And, and I don't want to underestimate how hard that can be for some people, right? Because we, we, we put value on things, emotional and actual, right? But there's that idea that you just said, no, I don't need that. I'm going to pull the things that I need. It's like you're reintegrating that part in the other part of your life and your physical space. So I, I love that. Yeah, it's like, it's like a reset button. Yeah. Yeah. And then, as you said, non-trivial expense. So your your checkbook's going to be very happy and your family's going to be happy because now that the kids are older, it's easier for you to work from home. And so you get to be present more often too. Right. It's not like dad leaves in the morning and comes back at night. Yeah. 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 That's something I always, I always liked about working from home was it was very, you know, this is a part of me that likes being weird and not, uh, or at least doesn't mind being weird. I've always enjoyed having like an unusual schedule because you almost have, I mean, it's funny, like now it's, it's a funny time to say this, but when you not, are not part of the air quotes rat race and you have to be at your desk by nine and, and you leave at five, like you have the world to yourself most of the time because everybody's at work and you can kind of like walk around and you never hit, tra like I never hit traffic, I, you know, it's like none of that happens. It's like a very, it's something that um, I've always really enjoyed. And when, I don't know, it just felt a little, it felt like a little bit like I was slipping into I mean, it didn't consciously feel like this, but when you hit the reset button and I'm like, oh, what if I question this thing that's come to be normal? What if I question this normalness or uh, routine and evaluate it and say, wait, did this turn into what I thought it was going to turn into? And am I happy with the way it's going? And I would have said, yeah, I, I like having an office. But when you when it really came down to it and I'm staring at like, four seven foot trophies like do i really want these in the house or are they seven just foot trophies yeah they're ridiculous it's oh <laughs> i now i understand why you consign them to the trash yeah and there's a it. bunch of regular ones like normal sized ones but i was like where do i really want these or do i have the honestly if i'm being totally honest the reason i have had them and didn't didn't just leave them at the tournament which is what i should have done if i really thought about it i had a spot for them so I was like, oh, I've got a place to put this, but that's different than do I want this? It was like, and what do you do with a trophy? You can't like give it to someone. Like <laughs> they didn't win it, so who cares? And if the trophy doesn't mean anything, so why does one keep a trophy? Or, or like, why would I keep a trophy? To So people will say, hey, what's that? And then you can be like, oh, I won a karate tournament. And then they go, wow, you're cool or something. I don't know. I mean, and no one even comes in my office, so no one can even see him. Like, what? It was like I, it was like I worked in a storage space. I don't know. I get why people would have. I mean, we all we all have different definitions of what we like to look at. So I, mean, I could see that. Yeah, that's you just remind me. But uh, whatever, that doesn't work for me. That's the, to me. That's resting on my laurels and like, like it doesn't matter if I won a trophy two years ago. Like, if I stink now, you know, it doesn't. It does nothing. It, it just makes me. It makes me lazy. You so know, anyway, but I know I yeah. like I live with three pack rats. Like I get that that's just my psychology and it's not like a right way or a wrong way. But the point is the whole situation that we're in caused me to question this thing that had become a fixture in my life. 
And it was interesting to notice, like, the reaction that people would have when I told them I was getting rid of the office. Because there's fir the first question is kind of like, is it being taken away from you? Like, can you can you no longer afford it? And, and that, that would have felt a lot different if it was like, oh, geez, I've fallen on hard times and can't afford this anymore. That would have definitely felt worse than, eh, do I really need this anymore? I'm not using this thing right now. And that, that distance allowed me to think about it. But then telling other people about it, I recognized my reaction to their reactions. So like, I've never taken a normal path through life. And I think it's always made my parents nervous because when, and, and it came up when I said to my mother, I was like, oh yeah, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm cleaning out the office. And there's just like a long pause. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, I just, yeah, I haven't been using it for the last month. And I just decided I'd rather go back to working from home. And she was like, oh, like she didn't know how to take it. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be an identity thing. So... I got some pride out of telling people like, oh, so you work from home? And I'd be like, no, I have an office. And they're like, oh, you have an office? Like, wow. But do I care about that? No. Is it worth paying for it? No. Is it worth, and it's not even the, the paying. It's like the, anyway, I could go on and on about the the office thing is very interesting. There's lots of, lots of emotional identity. All of these things had grown like a wild, I don't know, like vines. And, and you could imagine them you can imagine those those vines that had grown around me and kind of I was in them that that could be good or bad depending on your emotional state or what your goals were or whatever. And to me, cutting all those vines had this extremely freeing feeling. Maybe I'm a certain level of stability mentally, emotionally, financially, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I have a certain level of stability where I prefer the freedom to the stability. So, because it offers stability, but I don't really want that. Well, that I wasn't why I got the It's a the mindset. Office. It's a mindset. And as you pointed out, I think it's different if you're coming from a place of lack. So if you're going, oh my God, I have to, I have to cut my expenses. I have to do this. I have to do this. And there is that, it's driven by fear. When you're coming from that place, then everything feels like a loss. And so things take on a symbolic power. Like all of a sudden the office is the thing. Like if you don't have an office, you're nothing. But it, it isn't. I mean, an office has nothing to do with who you are and how good your work is and all those things. But if we feel like we're, we're drowning or coming from lack, it's easy to see that. What's really cool is when we can step back. And that's what I think the gift of this whole situation is right now, where if you are financially okay, and you can kind of feel like your business is going to be okay, it's a great time to sit back and go, okay, so what isn't serving me now? And it might be stuff. I'm looking at my office, which is a total mess because the the shutdown impacted all of the things that I've been working on in my office. My desk is still at the refinishers. <laughs> the, the wallpaper is sitting in a box. But yeah, you, it could be stuff or it could be the kind of clients you have. It could be how much clutter is on your computer. You know, how many different systems you're using that aren't working for you or the things that you do every day that now feel stupid in this environment. You're like, why am I doing this again? I feel like it's it's really a good time, provided that you're not in that sink or swim situation, to step back and say, hmm, I wonder if I could make things work better. 
for me right. or for my business. Yeah. And so I, I love that you kind of segued into the computer because I forgot about that particular one when we were talking earlier. But there's definitely the physical stuff one. And that's huge. Uh, and, I, and I think it has an emotional, I know it has an emotional component. People are attached to stuff or in a good, good and bad ways and for different reasons. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. You've also, like you said, computer stuff. Another one that's a classic thing to reevaluate right now is all the subscriptions that you have to a million things, whether it's content like Netflix and Hulu or iTunes or um, all of these like in-app purchase subscriptions to like ABC Mouse and Fortnite or I've had this Typeform subscription, I'm paying like 80 bucks a month for a Typeform subscription, but do I even use it? Does it matter? Maybe the answer is yes, but you can look at it and think like, uh, no, maybe not. Maybe yes. Maybe I can consolidate. Maybe, you know, maybe this one thing I have does both things that I use these two separate things for, but then it goes even more virtual than that into goals that you've set for yourself or identities that are just old and kind of rattling around in your head or just stories that you tell yourself. You can evaluate all of these things. And like, I love that you said the gift of this situation is that it calls all of this stuff into the sort of conscious level, or it could, it can call all of these things into the conscious level so that you sort of sit back and do a spring cleaning, which it is spring here now, you do this spring cleaning through all of these aspects. And for me, it has a freeing feeling. I can imagine for a lot of people that freedom, what is it? Uh, anxiety is the dizziness of freedoms, I think Kierkegaard said, which is true and awesome, but it it's, you know, would you rather not be free from this <laughs> stuff? You know, yeah, it can be dizzying, but I don't know. I mean, it seems like, I, I know I'm just wired that way. I love to, I love to get rid of stuff. I love, I'm just, I love minimal. Even when I was little, it was just like, I just want, I want to be walking around with nothing. I don't want anything. So for me, it's like, it's kind of fun, honestly. Well, I am thinking of a situation, my girlfriend, one of my girlfriends and I have been going through the last few days. And so she has a really big house and her kids are getting ready to go off to college. So at some point she'll downsize. So, so during this time at home, she discovered I should say she discovered they've been in a stack. So she had 10 years of a food magazine and she said, you know what, I'm going to go through and I'm going to clip the recipes and I'm going to put them in a binder and we're going to try the recipes. I said, yeah, that's great. I said, I do the same thing. I said, the only thing is I scan them. I put them in a folder that said recipes to try. So I have a place to go when I want to look at them. And if I try one and I don't like it, I delete it. But because I have to scan it, I don't, I don't clip a lot of recipes. It's got to look really interesting, like or really different. She goes, yeah, I do the same thing, except it's a binder. I said, wait till you sell the big house. You won't have room for the binders anymore. And then, you know, and you'll have this. So it's sometimes it's just something about something you're looking at physically, like 10 years worth of food magazines, which for me, that's like food porn, you know, looking at those pictures. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Love doing that. But then, you know, you have to get rid of those things and keep only what matters. And so we just have a different way of doing it, but but she's looking at, and you know, she's just got, I think one binder with those things in it, but she looks at that now and it brings her joy. She doesn't need the, the piles of 10, so she has something to look through 
when she's ready to, to make something different, when she's feeling creative. So it's, it's, it's a physical thing with stuff, but it, it gets emotional really fast. Really fast. Yep. Yeah. I don't think everyone should have this monastic lifestyle where they have like walking around in like a brown robe. <laughs> like, <laughs> that wouldn't work for me. <laughs> David Carradine, but it is definitely worth questioning just look, take, spend the next week and just like, as you look around, like everything you touch or everything you don't touch, like, do I really need that? You can get into like, oh, I'm not going to buy any physical books anymore, all virtual. And it's like, well, do you own the book? And like, what if Amazon goes out of business? There's all of that, like permanence of digital things stuff or issues, I should say. But it's worth questioning all those things because the, they, they are, I don't want to say weighing you down, but they are, like you can say it like this, they're anchoring you, which I think is, can be good and bad. Yeah, it depends on what it's doing for you. Right. And one of the ways to think about this, I just want to recommend a book at this point, and it's an old book. It was written, I think, in the 90s. Um, it was recently updated, Your Money or Your Life. Joe Dominguez and Vicki Robin, and, and Joe died many years ago, but Vicki's still around preaching this, but they use an expression that when I read it, I fell in love with, they call it gazingus pins. And they said, everybody has a gazingus pin, like the thing that you buy without thinking. So, and you hold on to them. So it could be, you know, a certain kind of t-shirt, like mine are books. Like I can't, if I see an interesting book, it's like, ah, gotta have that gotta have that for somebody else it might be a tool for the garage it might be a guitar <laughs> right it's we all have those things and we we buy them mindlessly because we're like oh yeah i need one of those and then you get home and you have oh gee i have 27 black t-shirts or i have 15 pairs of jeans it's that it's that idea that there are some things that we just acquire without really thinking. And so when our money changes, then we stop and say, oh, yeah, do I really want to look at this? But how much better is it to do it not when your money changes, but when you change, when you start looking at things differently and saying, do I need this? Right. P.S. I can't tell you how many things, but what are they called? Bazingas pins? With a G. Gazingas pins. Gazingas pins. pins. Yeah. I it was, I feel like that was half the stuff I got rid of from the office. It was all this stuff where I was like, even stuff like, oh, I want to support this artist, so I'm going to buy this print, which has sat in a tube in my corner for years. But it's like, I should have just sent the, the artist the money and don't send me the poster. You just keep the money. I'm going to say it achieved the purpose, though. Yeah. Many but, years ago. <laughs> yes. For the artist, yeah. I hope. Yeah. But for me, it's been sitting in the corner in the way, annoying me. So it's like, anyway, okay, enough about the stuff stuff. So the, the the emotional stuff I wanted to talk about, or the less emotional and more mental letting go thing, for me, I, I like when the anchor is removed. I generally prefer when I'm less anchored down. Uh, and I guess it's it's a spectrum. Everybody's going to want a certain amount of like um, bedrock stability or sense of bedrock stability. The problem comes when you, let's just say in your business, you're in a service business and you sell a particular kind of service. You've always sold this particular kind of service. It's always been a useful service. You can reliably count on, you know, a certain amount of money from selling this service. The problem with that is if it's no longer considered valuable because, oh, I don't know, let's say something big in the world changed and all of a sudden it's 
wickedly deprioritized. It maybe is still valuable, but there's a whole bunch of things that are more valuable that jumped in front of it in line. And it's like, and, and now here's the problem where the anchor is going to hurt you because that it's like an invisible anchor. Like you don't know it's there. You forget it's there. And it prevents you from, from thinking laterally or from innovating because you turn your brain. And I've talked to tons of people recently who've got this, have had this issue that they're wrestling with. Their brain is trying to solve the wrong problem because they've got this invisible anchor that feels like it, it, it's immovable or it's um, a fact of life. I sell this thing. I sell this service. And then the, the what their problem-solving part of their brain goes to, how am I going to convince people at this date and time that this thing is still valuable or is valuable again? And that's the wrong, I think that's the wrong approach. The, a better approach and like the, you know, cut the anchor line and you think, instead of how am I going to convince people that this thing I've always done is valuable, you think, what could I do now that would be valuable? It's a completely different problem to solve. And if you forget that you've got this anchor, you forget that it's an anchor, you think it's just a reality or it's part of your body or something, then and it's un unchangeable then it's going to dramatically decrease the options that you have. You're going to feel trapped. So if, you've, if you're feeling trapped by this like idea of plenty of people have lost all their clients or you know nobody's renewing or they're in a really scary business situation, and I'm sure it feels like trapped, like I'm trapped, like what can yeah, I do? you're well, a restaurant consultant. <laughs> yeah, or a, cruise, a travel agent for cruise lines. It, all right, so in order to come up with something innovative, you kind of have to look at, at what anchors you've got down and start cutting them. The small problem or the, the near-term problem, the one that doesn't require you to change is perhaps intractable. Like it's not, there's, you're, you're wrestling with a problem that has no solution. But the elements of the equation, you're forgetting that one of them is totally self-imposed. So like, how do I make two plus three equals seven? It's like, I, I can't. It's like, well, change the two to a four. You've got control over your side of the equation. You can change stuff. So the, the scary thing is when uh, people's routine or their uh, preconceived notions or the stories that they tell themselves or their worldview blinds them to these, these things that feel real and solid but are... In, in fact, just decisions that they made a long time ago and are they're no more real than a decision you would make today. You just change it. That's the challenge, I think. It's the construct of how you think of yourself, how you think of your career. And I, I totally agree. It's, it's like if you can cut the, the vines, if you can cut the anchors and look at this in a new way, it's, it's like looking at your, your talents and your skill set and, and the slice of audience that you already have which doesn't limit you to that, but you can look at those things and see how you can mix them up in different ways. It's not like you have to suddenly change everything that you're doing, but that you look at the possibility that you don't have to do everything the same. Right. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not even suggesting like a major pivot. I'm just talking about like, yeah, I'm not saying like, oh, um, I'm a Rails developer. Now I'm going to make cakes and try and ship cakes to people. I'm not even talking about that. I'm like, like what if I'm a Rails developer and I've been helping people by building them Rails applications, what could I, and, and people aren't buying Rails applications now, 
what about my side of the equation could I change where I'm still leveraging my expertise and my superpowers and all of the things that are unique and good and special about me. Maybe it's, okay, I'm going to shift into teaching people how to make Rails applications, or I'm going to shift into uh, delivering an outcome that I previously de delivered to my clients using Rails applications, like increased productivity, For let's say. My Rails applications were internal applications that people, my clients would hire me for to increase productivity. Well, maybe I can do other things to help them increase productivity that would be more valuable now. So it's not even, it's like a half pivot. It's like a, it's not like a dramatic, it doesn't necessarily have to be a dramatic change uh, or could be, it could be that you've focused on a particular target market and you like go adjacent to them or you go deeper, you go to something that's a sub segment of the, the target markets that you've been working with before. It can be a, it can be a relatively small change and there's still like a clear through line to your story where yeah, I mean, it's almost like a reframing of of your current or previous to this your reality at that point, and just ref it could be as simple as reframing it. Yeah, yeah, I like the idea of reframing. It's it, and that's what these things do. I mean, a lot of people after nine eleven did that, or after the crash of two thousand eight, and it's it's so much easier to do when you're not forced into it. But when you are forced into it and you have the luxury of having some financial flexibility, you have the luxury where maybe your business hasn't imploded, um, you have some of those things, the luxury of health, you have those luxuries, then it's a really good time to sit back because we're feeling grateful. We're doing it from a position of um, appreciation and gratitude. And then to me, it's so much easier to let go of things, including business things. You, you might let go of something that somebody else who has less experience than you would do wonderfully. Maybe you even refer some work to them, who knows? It's, it's that idea that you can do things differently and th that is good. Right, yeah. If you can get through that sort of <laughs> the dizziness of freedom part, Right. But it's, it's so cool though, because like I get, I get that it would be, that it's scary and, and probably feels like a sense of vertigo, but I could do anything. It's not, you can't do anything. You, you still have plenty of constraints. There's plenty of other anchors that you can't actually cut the, the cord to. There's different like levels. Like, I don't even want to go down this path. It's, it's like, <laughs> it turns into like your gender identity and your, your relationship status. Like there are all of these things that are even bigger, really big, thick roots that, that hold you down. So, so cutting these little anchors that seem important because of, because they're uh, a daily, they're, they're more daily conscious, you're still going to have plenty of things to ground you most likely, you know, to talk about blanket statement, but just pointing out that there, there, there's trunk and then there's roots and then there's twigs. It gets, there's all sorts of stuff in there that, that people can use for stability. So cutting some around the edges, even though they might feel like core things, but they're probably not, you know, if it's, if it's business stuff, if you cut some of those things, the, the, the flexibility that it gives you and the freedom of the, the, the room to let your creativity run, it feel that's exactly what it feels like to me. Like you're in this, I felt like this fence is kind of closing in on me. And then when I got rid of all that stuff and like, I don't, I got rid of the routine of going to the office. Like it's like the fence, like suddenly got really big. And now I have this huge field that I can run around in. Yes. That's exactly how it feels. Yeah. You know, I found that, that experience, what you just described, I've seen it in a number of people who 
were sitting on a big asset in their homes. And this happens a lot in California, as you might expect, and I'm sure New York as well. It's that, um, and, and so if they didn't sell and they're in this period now, they're kind of wondering, what does that look like? What am I gonna do? What's my house worth? Because their house is their bank, right? But then I've also met, especially where I'm living now, I've met a lot of people who sold that house, that bank, and they moved to a place that costs less, and they totally changed their lives. And so now they're sitting here and they're doing a different kind of work. They're owning something that's typically smaller than what they've had before because they decided they didn't need the upkeep of a big thing. Um, they were able to take the money from the sale of their house and, and invest that however they decided to do that and, and live on some of that income. So it, it, it changes. And so those decisions, when you make them from strength versus making them when everything's raining down upon you, it's, it's can be really exciting and you get involved in it and you get excited about it and you, you create this new vision of your work your life, who your client base is, what you want to contribute to the world, what you want to, um, what you want your content to be, the ideas you're sharing. It, it frees you up from having to make a certain amount of money to keep the extra five bedrooms in your house versus, you know, what you really want for you and your family or letting go of an office that you don't really need. The word that I thought you were going to say is care about. I don't care about it. So what do I care about? Okay. So like, to me, that's like a big, a big piece of it is consciously caring, like making conscious the things that I actually care about now, because that's, that's a four-year-old decision. It was pretty good. It was a pretty good decision. It had pros and cons. Uh, but now it's like, okay, is that still serving me? No. Do I really care about it? No. In fact, I like the idea of not knowing what my new routine is going to be. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I just like that. And also because we brought all this stuff back from the office and, you know, like some nice furniture so we could get rid of like some not as nice <laughs> furniture like our Erica just totally redecorated the entire house, moved couches and the carpets and furniture and plants. I've got all these plants from the office that I brought back. So the place is like a jungle and uh, I love it. It's like a new house. So it's like, I don't know. It's really cool. Well, maybe the word I would use is value because it's it's care you can sort of say care and not care but there's also how you value something it's not that you don't care but it has a it has a smaller value than something else so you're making a decision of something against something else if that makes sense yeah and it, but it's a, the thing that the thing that I'm I hope we're teasing out of this is that it's a multifaceted the value comes at like multiple levels there's like the money part is almost like, of course it's a thing, but it's not the main thing. The main thing is like the emotional drag or the, the way it limits your thinking. I don't know. It's like, there's something limiting to it that wasn't, it just wasn't working for me anymore anyway. But I, and the really scary, here's the scary thing. I never would have thought of it. I don't know how many more years I would have stayed there without even thinking of it, if something drastic like this hadn't happened, I probably would have stayed in that routine because it wasn't actively bad for me. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah. It's and like I, most of us make decisions like that. It's, you know, things are running along just fine. Okay. Yeah. I don't need fixed. to blow this up. Ain't fixed. Don't break it. Is that how it goes? <laughs> <laughs> but once I questioned it, I was like, oh, you know, it'd be really fun if I got rid of the office. Anyway, not to talk about the office the whole time. It's just such a great physical metaphor for um 
for all of the all the bag it's baggage it's like this classic baggage thing this Marie Kondo you know if, if it doesn't bring you joy like put it in the donate pile the thing that the one thing that we haven't really hammered on too much here that I'd like to get your take on is um, I've noticed that uh, all of this stuff has uh, all this situation has caused me to question some of the the stories I tell myself about myself so a classic one is I'm not handy like that is a I could, if I was going to get a tattoo it would have said I'm not handy <laughs> but now that we've been I've got extra free time and we're limited to the space in the house there are like little fix-it projects that that became more annoying because I'm always looking at them and uh, you know, so it, it's like the urgency of fixing that annoying thing that someday I'll call her a handyman to fix. Uh, like since handyman is off the table for the time being and and I'm staring at the whatever the thing is, like the the crack in the garage door or something. And it, it's like, I could probably fix that. And then and then <laughs> like a part of my brain goes, I could probably fix that. And another part of my brain goes, what? You're not handy. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. And the, and, but the thing is, you know, if I'm like totally honest about it, it's not that I'm not handy. It's that that is sort of a shield that I would use to not have to do those tasks. So it's like, oh, the garage door has a crack in it. It's like, well, call someone to fix it. Like, you know, I'm not handy. But after a while, I forget that. And I'm not, I'm not great at any of that stuff. But I mean, for crying out loud, I did construction. Like I framed houses. I can't be that not handy, <laughs> you know, the houses are still standing. So, you know, I could probably fix a crack in the garage door, but the change in the situation and the change in the underlying context caused me to question that like label I had put on myself and, you know, am I ever going to be handy? Am I ever going to like be a general contractor or a carpenter? Mm, probably not, but I can fix the crack in the garage door. And it's funny because it's like, oh, so the flip side of this story I've been telling myself and others is that, um, again, fenced in, like uh, my capabilities are fenced in. It's sort of a cage of my own making. It's like the, the classic, the elephant sitting next to the stake with the chain around his ankle, but it's not attached to the stake. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so funny, though, because I, I just... I just had made an assumption, Jonathan, without knowing more as I'd gotten to know you over a couple of years. I just assumed that you really were handy, but you didn't want to. And I, is, I don't know why. The, I don't know why I would assume that. Like, yeah, maybe maybe there isn't. I don't think there's a difference. It's like, if you think you're not handy, well, guess what? You're not handy. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. am I capable of fixing the crack in the garage door? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Do I want to spend my time like that? No. And so the shorthand for it was I'm not handy, mm -hmm. meaning that yeah. someone could do it better and faster. It's like yeah. it's it's kind of like shorthand for it's not a great use of my time or something like mm -hmm. that. It sounds better. Right. Oh, I'm not handy. And it's yeah. But so there's probably and uh, that one came to the forefront of my consciousness because of the, the way that it relates to the situation that we're in. There are probably a hundred other things in my head like that that didn't become conscious. Yeah. You know, like it's the, those limiting beliefs that we have. Although I don't know if that's a limiting belief. If you want to be a handyman, then it's a limiting belief. Yeah. Right. It's like sewing masks, 
right? Because I, I tell myself that I can sew because there's certain like home decor projects that I like to sew for. But if you hand me a button, I don't want to sew it on. And I learned I don't want to make masks. I suck at it. I, I like <laughs> so embarrassed. That I, I, I put the bad pictures out there. Um, but yeah, it's like the, we all have that stuff. And it's it's funny when I'm, um, you know, now that I'm walking because I can't go to the gym and I've been playing this music, there's a song that I've been listening to that talks about, it, the song is This Is Your Time, but the way I listen to it is, I think of it as This Is The Time, is how I listen to the, the words. And so I listen to that and say, okay, this is the time to be visible. This is the time to speak out more than you've ever done before. And it's sort of like, a, it's not even that it's just a duty to do that, it's that I want to. And so I use that song as, energy, I guess, or as fuel. So that, you know, if I might think, oh, you know, I'm a little tired today, you know, maybe I, you know, I don't need to do an extra thing. I have that, that voice in my head. So I do think there's the stories that we tell. And I think that now is a great time to find a way to tell or give ourselves an alternative dialogue. Right. Yeah. Well, the cool, the cool part about this being sort of a global event it, that's everyone's going to remember everyone it's like 9-11 9-11's come up a couple times and that had the same kind of a i noticed well they're all different obviously they're different but um i noticed this is more global yeah right and there's a different in the 2008 thing and you know i remember like the early 90s recession i remember like gas lines from the 70s like and these all had different emotional effects they all seem different like all the ones i went through maybe it's because i was different but it, they do seem to have a different feel and they're causing large groups of people to react in particular ways that have patterns in them, but they're different patterns each time. It seems to me, I'm no, I'm just like observationally. So this one feels like we just kind of dance around the word opportunity because it's a tragic situation and it's extremely difficult for a lot of people, most people. Um, but there's a window of opportunity here where everybody's going to be able to point back to coronavirus or this whole, the COVID-19 Remember, Oh, I remember, uh, I don't mm -hmm. know what we're going to call it in retrospect because it's had like three different names, but remember 2020. Yeah. The plague. So yeah. Remember 2020. And it's like, you go back to remember quarantine or stay at home, whatever we're going to call it as a culture or globally even. And looking back on it and being able to point to that, and it's almost like your get out of jail free card for making a big change in your life. It's like, oh, well, that happened. And then I decided to, that was the, that was the thing that got me to do this thing versus making what would otherwise be, uh, it's like a normal time to make a big decision where if it's just like a random, yeah, if it was like a, a random Wednesday in August, 2019, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to close my office or I'm going to change what I do for, and then everybody's like, really? Like, What's your right? What's your rationale? I don't know. Just it just felt right, you know. It, it's now you've almost you've got this excuse. <laughs> you can just be like, yeah, you know, I, I was rethinking things, just like everybody. You can kind of like be normal and radical at the same time, where you can point to this thing and just say like, hey, you know, this like this event happened. You remember that? Yeah, everybody remembers that. All right, well, yeah, it just caused me to rethink whether or not it was handy or whether or not I needed an office or what kind of products and services I was going to offer or, you know, if I was actually going to go after my dream or my mission or I was going to change my worldview or I was finally going to 
lose the weight, whatever it is, you've got something you can point to and say like, and, and people will be like, yeah, man, <laughs> like I get it. I get, yeah. you, you know, yeah. instead of being, I feel like you need to be much more of a maverick to do something like that when everybody else is just going along like normal. It's harder. You have to work your way out of all the things that hold you back from doing that. Yeah. Yeah. My saying about this is if not now, when? Mm. It's times like who? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's like if if you've got this dream and if you're not going to do it now, then when are you going to do it? Serious. Right. That's a great way to put it. If you're not going to do it now, come on. Yeah. It's like admit to yourself you're never going to do it and focus on something else. Yeah. Pick something else. You know, you're not going to be a rock star. So go be a consultant or be a developer, you know, whatever those dreams are. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't want to be glib about this because lots of people have been caused great pain by this. And I'm not suggesting that, that they make a different decision. I'm just saying that if you're lucky enough to be in a situation where you have options, this is the time. Hmm. Or if you're teetering on a decision, just do it. Mm-hmm. Like what, seriously, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you start to think, oh, okay, so I could die. My my friends and, and family could die. We might never get life back as we know it. I mean, like, you know, I'm gloom and doom, but you go through all those things and you go, okay, so I'm just worried about what people are going to think of me if I say this. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's that's really that's what that's what's got me paralyzed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't care if somebody doesn't like it. You know, it's too bad. It's you know, I need to say this for whatever reason. I, I'll make a mistake and somebody corrects it. That's fine. But it's it's time to it's time to to be present and be counted. Yeah. Call me an optimist, but uh, this window of opportunity if we're going to choose to look at it with an abundance mentality instead of a poverty mentality it's not going to be open forever in in fact the shorter the window is open the better because that just means that we can go back to some semblance of normalcy or the new normal afterwards and then once the quarantine stuff is over then we're going to have a fun recession to dig out of for two or three years but you don't want the window to stay open forever so it's gonna it probably won't be open forever so you're not going to have this chance again probably for 15 years and then when the next whatever happens some tsunami or something so what are you waiting for do it that thing you're thinking about just do it just do it sponsored by nike okay (laughs) (laughs) go to nike.com slash tboa free parachutes cool okay so I feel like we kind of covered a lot of ground here. I think the uh, stuff angle is a big one and can be an entry point into all of these sort of emotional and identity kind of topics that could be holding you back for no reason. And you've got this window of opportunity to perhaps cut some of those anchor lines to those invisible anchors that are maybe not serving you anymore that you don't actually value anymore so it's all about being intentional about examining all the stuff and i mean that physically and metaphysically examine all the stuff and now's the time to make big decisions now's the time to make leaps yeah and they they feed each other Mm -hmm. yeah it's all related 
Yeah. yeah, and if, if, if you've been around long enough, if you look back in your life and your career, you'll see when you made some of those leaps, how all these other things changed because you felt differently. Like, you know, you lost 50 pounds and then the world looked different or you left that stifling job and started your business and then you, you found the love of your life or you divorced the pain in the neck, you know, whatever, whatever those are you know you've done that before and you can do it again that is so a great way to look at it yeah it's just you have to start yeah Oof, i love that all right on that note okay we didn't beat something to death for a change no dude, that was <laughs> i love that last insight like now like i'm thinking back and immediately like five things popped in my head like oh yeah i remember when i threw everything in a sports car and drove to atlanta and just lived there mm -hmm. like and then what happened next was totally unpredictable but all good yeah. You, know, you know, more on balance. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's you know, a little risk is good for the soul. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Well, that is it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Michelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.